Hello and welcome to another Parisia podcast. I'm Shabaresh, your host, and very excited to be introducing to you uh, a very strong man of faith. Uh, he's none other than Doug Barry, the founder of BR Coalition, and he's got quite a career um, so far, and we're going to learn more about his faith journey, his career, and then also this, this latest uh, website and apostolate, BR Coalition. He joins me live from Texas in the United States, and uh, we, we're gonna, let's talk to him right now. Hello, Doug. How are you doing? Good, Chabelle. How are you doing? Good to be doing with you. Really well, thank God. Uh, th- thanks for joining us uh, from uh, from the United States. Here we are on the other side of the world yeah. with s- similar problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hate to say it. it's worldwide. What's going on? The stuff we're dealing mm-hmm. with, but it's uh, and it's it's only ramping up, you know. And you can't yeah. hide your yeah. head in the sand anymore, everybody. You got to wake up to what's happening. That's what's been impressive about you. You haven't stopped fighting the battle. Uh, you've always been about the battle and um, and giving people the tools about it. And let's can we uh, talk about um, just a bit about yourself? It is your first time on our podcast. We first met, uh, by the way, uh, in Australia. I, th- I remember it was in Brisbane. It was a um, a, uh, a door conference, and you were selling T-shirts, Radix T-shirts, and I bought that. I still have that today. I think that was way back in. 2005, wow. <laughs> something like that. Uh, yeah, 2005 yeah. or six, somewhere around that time. And uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember, I remember meeting you then. And that's we're coming up. What's that? 17 years or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, yeah. How many trips have you come, been to Australia? You've been at least twice. Yeah, I think I think three. If I three. remember, okay. three. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I've been down there three times. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Now, Tell us a, um, a bit about yourself. Like you, I mean, when you did come to Australia, you were giving talks to the young people. You were you were you were doing um, uh, like a passion play where yeah. you were acting uh, as m- most of the key characters within the passion scenes. Uh, that was quite uh, that was quite and not only entertaining, very moving as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then you also you, know, you had uh, different resources that you did. Uh, but uh, yeah, w- w- you came to Australia and you were giving. Was there anything else I've missed? Was there anything else you did while you were here? No, I mean, when we were down there, if I, yeah, we did the, um, the door conferences. Um, we, we have been, wow, we've done everything over the years. 33 years is how long I've been actually traveling, speaking around the country, around outside the country internationally. Uh, worked with EWTN off and on for many, many years. Co-hosted Life on the Rock. You were a guest on there one time. Um, and so, you know, I've been all over the place. I've done the one man drama of the passion. It's about 10 to 12 different characters that I would act out one after the other, all kind of intermixed. And then a good friend of mine, Eric Jenis, an amazing musician was, um, the music behind it. And he would play the music and we'd shut the lights off normally in the church or the hall, wherever we were. And, uh, it lasted about an hour, 15 to hour and a half long. And it was, it was very, very much a meditation, but dramatically done. Uh, mm. and we did that for a long time. We did that all over the place for a long time around all over different parts of the world. And that was a real blessing, um, because it was really the type of, of, of event that tried to call people to conversion. And it wasn't just about entertaining, you know, you want people to yes. have a good experience, but you want them to be, have a spiritually moving experience too. So yes. yeah, we did that. Um, telling the stories of the dreams of Don Bosco, another dramatic event, uh, a lot of just general speaking on everything from the commandments to the reality of hell to, to, um, you know, the beatitudes, uh, and then a, lo- a little bit over time, it started to get into things like, 
even understanding the importance of, of protection, self-defense and so forth, which is a very interesting subject to bring up in Christian circles of evangelization because yeah. people just have this attitude, well, we're just going to trust Jesus and he'll take care of us. And yet we have both a right and responsibility as the catechism states to be able to protect and defend not just ourselves, but others that God has entrusted to our care. It's actually a grave duty as yes. paragraph 2265 states in the catechism. Um, and so that was something that I would talk about off and on over the years. And eventually over time realized that a lot of people just were not in tune with that. And that was one of the reasons be our coalition uh, kind of grew from that. Um, we, you know, I've used the term battle ready a lot over the years and still do at times, but you know, there's a real strange thing happening in the world right now. And so even mm. our terminology, as you know, can be deemed very dangerous. And so we have to be careful. And in some cases, uh, that's fine. Let's do that. Like, I'm never going to steer clear of talking about the Eucharist or confession or the Blessed Mother, uh, the love of God, being a Catholic. That's all never going to change. But we changed the term battle ready to be ready because we wanted to make it, you know, put it in a position where people could embrace it and they could understand what we're talking about. I know we're going to break some of that down in this podcast, what it is to be ready and where there's a duty and a responsibility and what steps we can take. But yeah, that's it. it like 33 years of traveling and speaking. Um, and I still talk about Marian apparitions, the church approved ones, and just the beauty of the blessed mother calling us to deeper prayer life, dialogue with God and the need to be open to the Holy spirit's inspirations and then act upon them and cooperate with grace. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to unpack all this. I, I have to let you know that while I've got this opportunity, I say this a lot. To, so I, I've been teaching uh, religion for quite a while and then giving talks now with Parisia. And, and there's a line you said in your talk, and it, we're going back uh, again, 17 or 18 years. Mm. But it was a very profound uh, point you made in your talk. I still use it today. And you don't know what I'm about to say, but you would challenge people. You know, Jesus um People say, how do I get to heaven? He says, keep the commandments. Love God right. with all your mind, heart, soul, and keep the commandments. Right. And then you, you did this uh, very clever thing where you would uh, uh, interview people. Do you know the Ten Commandments? And and you'd find uh, not not many of them would know the Ten Commandments. And right. some of them would think, I, I know them, but not in order. And you think, no, you need to know them in order. And it was a good challenge because it's challenged me. <laughs> and now I, I teach my, my children the Ten Commandments now in order as three-year-olds, four-year-olds, and they've got to Good. memorize it. Good. Um, and and you'll be amazed. People can get it. Little kids can get it. Yeah. And your point was, how on earth can we keep the commandments if we don't know them? Right. <laughs> how profound right. is that? Yeah. <laughs> we've got and, to know I, them. and I would offer money all the time around the country. I would say, <laughs> I'll give you $20, you know, or, you know, if you can recite the 10 commandments for me in, in 60 seconds, you know, or 30 seconds, you know, and, and people would, oh, that's that's just too fast. It's like, well, but if you're tempted by sin, you need to know what the commandment is right away. You can't yes. have to go back and look something up. So, but you're right, we can't keep those laws and, and truths of God that we don't know. So, uh, it's nice to know that something like that, you know, is, has helped, you know, somewhere along the way. So that's awesome to hear. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Well. Let's dive in a bit about yourself. Um, uh, were you born a cradle Catholic? Uh, were you always on fire like you are now with your faith? I'd like just to get to know a little bit about your upbringing and, and how you got to this point uh, where you are today. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm one of these Catholics that does not have an amazing conversion story. Born, raised Catholic. I've probably missed Mass, Sunday Mass, in my life seven times only for being sick. 
So I was one of those go to mass every Sunday and holy day of obligation because you needed to. But I would refer to myself as a clock in, clock out Catholic. You know, you walk into church, you put your hand in the holy water font and you clock in. You walk out after mass and you clock out. And that was the extent of my faith. And it wasn't until I was probably 19, 20 years old when I heard about the Blessed Mother and apparitions that she would appear Mm. in various places of the world. Now, I had heard remembered bits and pieces growing up, but I wasn't familiar. I knew of Fatima, but I didn't know what really happened. Guadalupe, but I didn't really happen. And my aunt, God rest her soul, kind of introduced me to the talk of potential modern day apparitions going on. And so I went and talked to her about it. And she said, you've always got to follow the church's lead on this though. If they investigate it and find it valid, then embrace. But if not, stay away from it. And I said, well, where do you think I should start? And she said, Fatima. So I started to read up on Our Lady of Fatima in 1917, and everything changed. It was like getting hit in the head with a two-by-four, sugar-coated, by the Blessed Mother herself, and it woke me up. You know, the vision of hell that the children had on July 13th, 1917, um, the prophecy of a second world war that would come if man did not stop offending God, and that was the reason. forget about that. It's a good point. If you don't stop offending God, you will see another, a second war, much worse than this one, which World War I was coming to the end of the following year, 1918. So that woke me up, that the Blessed Mother would come to the earth, that her son would send her, and that she would come to the earth and she would warn us of things like war. And it just really, really, really rattled me. And so I started to look into it more, and that really changed the way I looked at things such as the rosary. And I don't I don't go anywhere without a rosary. There's one on my desk here. There's one by my bed. There's a couple in my car. I mean, I I don't go anywhere without one in my pocket, wherever I go. The brown scapular as well. Devotion to Mary is key, is critical. But I wasn't this way growing up. I was a lukewarm, clock-in, clock-out Catholic. And only because of the Blessed Mother's, you know, experience of those apparitions that I started to look into, did anything really wake up inside and... I always say you get close to Mary and it's an ongoing journey, right? We're all mm. sinners and we need God's mercy and we can grow. But the love of God and the love of our lady are beyond our understanding. And the more you cling to her, and I will say this right up front, whether you're struggling with things, whether you feel like you got things on target, on track, cling to her. When you're at your lowest points and you're in sin or sadness, sorrow, depression, no matter what it is, see the need to cling to her and do it. She will constantly reel you in and pull you in closer to her heart. So that's what happened to me. So it, it was the, it was the mother that brought me to her son. Yeah. Wow. So um, were you, were you uh, going to Sunday mass? Were you doing other devotionals at all before that time or no, just no. Sunday mass? It was basically go to mass. Um, make sure you get to confession once a year, according to church rule, yeah. you know, Follow your basic Lenten practices. You know, when you're fasting or abstaining from meat, it's, you know, you follow what the rules are. But it wasn't heartfelt. Like there was no relationship really there. It was just checking boxes and clocking in and clocking out for the most part. Yeah. How how did then um, things change for you? Your prayer life, the way you lived your life? Tell us about that after now you discovered Our Lady. How did that? What does that look like? Uh, What what did that look like at the time? your transformation, I guess, or your uh, challenge to go up a notch in your faith. What was it like for you? 
Yeah, you know, it's funny when when you when you read the lives of the saints, and I recommend anybody if if you find a saint and you start to read, and there's so many saints out there, you find certain mm -hmm. ones that relate to your personality or not, you know. And and I would read, um, I, I came upon Saint John of the Cross, and he, you know, a mystic, um, lived in the 1500s, good friends with Saint Teresa of Avila, both mystics, contemplatives. Um, and I would read, this was a tough guy. I mean, he was mean, meaning strong. He was mentally tough. His fasting and mortification was extreme. And in, I saw a challenge there and that helped. But when he wrote about dark night of the soul and dark night of the senses, that we go through these moments where you find where you're, you're just, you're, you're soaring high, you're on fire for the faith. And then God, God strips away the consolation. And so this, this explains what I was going through. Hearing about Our Lady of Fatima, looking into to more of what the rosary meant, instead of saying the rosary once in a while at a funeral or, you know, now and then before mass, when everybody's praying it, you kind of chime in a little bit. Now I began to pray it on my mm -hmm. own and, you know, with my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, daily. And it began to grow to become a daily practice. And over time, that just starts to seep in. But you go through these dark nights or maybe not so much dark, let's just call it moments of consolation and then moments where God kind of pulls that back really to test you. And it's, I always liken it to weightlifting. You know, I've been where I'm 58 and I've been working out since I was 12 years old. So I've, I've been lifting weights off and on my whole life. You don't retain muscle mass. And I don't mean like some big jacked up guy. I mean, you don't retain quality, healthy muscle or solid, healthy bone without resistance. Uh, this is medically proven. You have cells in your bones called osteoblasts and osteoclasts. The osteoclasts want to constantly reabsorb the bone, tear it down. Osteoblasts build it back up. Osteoblast cells, by God's design, work better when there's some sort of push-pull resistance. So not just walking or you know playing tennis. That helps a little, but when you're doing resistance work, whether it's weights or bands, you know, exercise bands, the reason I say this is the soul is really in many ways the same. There has to be some mm. sort of resistance. So God allows us these spiritual resistance moments. And that was what it was like. I was soaring high where I was on fire and I was just, just wanting to eat up more of the faith. And then there were times when I was like, oh, I just, I don't, I just, I feel empty and lost. And then God brings in a little something to strengthen that. And it was back and forth. And it still is. It still is. He never stops doing this. You know, there's that moment where you, you pray and you're saying, Lord, are you there? Where are you? I've been praying that for, you know, 40, whatever years, 30 some years now. I mean, you just go back and forth. Consolation and then removing the consolation to strengthen us. It's the push-pull resistance, I think, that a lot of us go through. Now, Teresa of Avila in her seven mansions that she wrote about prayer said that many people won't get past the fourth or so mansion. I think she says third or fourth mansion. To get to the seventh mansion, which is this unbelievable union with God. But most people around third or fourth mansion start to falter because God starts to really pull back consolation and really test your perseverance. And at that moment, a lot of people revert back to the ways of the world because it's more comfortable. I mean, face it, it, it's easy for us to go down the path of least resistance. 
But now when you start facing interior challenges and then you've got to make certain decisions based on what you know is right, not what the push of the trend is out there, making you the crowd is going this way or that way. Now we got to be thinking about governments and certain individuals who start putting restrictions on you as a Christian for talking too much in ways that sound like hate speech, like we're dealing with here in the States and other parts of the world. Then you start finding that you really tested to whether or not you're going to stand for your faith. So from the beginning to where I am now, Sherelle, it's been really a, a constant seasons of, of consolation from God. And then I would say, I feel like he unplugs you and you're just kind of like, okay, where am I? And Teresa, Therese, I should say, St. Therese, a little flower would talk about how she felt like the child Jesus would be, you know, she's like a toy and, and he's, you know, the child is playing with the toy. And when he's done with the toy, he puts the toy on the shelf for a while. And that's what she felt like at times. Like he was just kind of, he's done for now. And then you just got to just kind of wait, you know, when is God going to hit me again? Teresa of Avila would compare it to a boat on the water. And there were times the dryness was so long. And then the Holy Spirit would come like a wave of water that would pick up the boat and carry it for a while and then set it down again and the wave goes on. And just that moment was enough to keep her going. Mother Teresa talks about the dryness. You pray and you feel she would feel like prayers coming back to her heart like daggers. So it just goes with the territory that God yeah. constantly brings us through those moments of the cross, of the agony in the garden. And it varies from person to person, time to time in your life, chapter to chapter. And that's what it's been like for me since this all, you know, really woke me up with Our Lady of Fatima 30, whatever, five, whatever years ago. Wow. Well, so um, what uh, was it? Because when did you start going then public, I guess, in ministry and, a, mm -hmm. and, and having an apostle? What, how long was it before you then started to share your faith publicly and sort of formalize it in a way where you organize the ministry and, and, and made it part of your career. All of that was very, I, I would say accidental, but it's more that it was providential the way God does these things. And he, and, and a lot of people go through this. I mean, you know, when I was on life on the rock for eight years, we, we interviewed like yourself, we interviewed you and we interviewed a lot of people, you know, who came through, who went through very similar stories, meaning that, you don't plan certain things. You can try, and sometimes God blesses those plans, and then sometimes God has a whole different direction, a different door, a different somebody that's going to step into your life and redirect what you're thinking. And that makes it exciting and very nerve-wracking. Because yeah. on one hand, you're like, oh, God can do something amazing. Like when he touched David, and pretty soon David kills Goliath, you know, mm -hmm. and 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 he's becomes and he's, he's, he's blessed to be this king now. You know, he's... He's initiated as a king, and it's just, what a change. But that excitement can also be tempered by the fact that God will really test you in those ways because he wants to know that you're trusting him entirely. Like when he deals with Gideon and he reduces the army down to 300, and he basically, in so many words in Scripture, says to Gideon, you must never, real, you must never think that you're doing this on your own. You have to know that it's from me. So I'm going to reduce the army to 300 men. It started at like 33,000 or so reduced to 300. And God was making it clear to Gideon, this is me doing this through you. You play your part, you do. But I'm the one who's orchestrating it. So for me, 
My mom had invited me right around that time of I learned of Fatima to help out with her Wednesday night CCD or religious ed for kids class. And she wanted me to sit in the hallways and go over prayers with the kids individually to help them know the Our Father, the Hail Mary, and so forth. And then I started to tell stories of saints' lives. And then from there, she'd ask me to do this. And then eventually someone in the, uh, the CCD coordinator asked me to lead the class of the seventh and eighth graders combined. And it was mainly because most of these religious teachers are women and these seventh and eighth grade boys were a little more you know, challenging because they're young men and they wanted a mm. man to actually teach the boys. So I said, sure. And then from there, eventually I get asked to run the high school youth group at the parish. So my wife and I, right after we got married, started to run the high school youth group. And then from there, someone said, hey, would you come and speak in my classroom at the school? And then I did that. And then I got a job at a Catholic school as a, as a maintenance man. I was fixing. I was the repair guy. And then mm-hmm. I asked the priest, can I talk in the classroom? Sure, why not? And then another school asked me because they heard about it. Then I was invited to a conference in another state in Kansas. And then uh, from that conference, other people had come from other parts of the country. And then I got invited here and there and there and there and there. And it was word of mouth over all of those years. And I've been to every Mm. state in America uh, except one or two, I think now. Idaho, I think, is the only one I haven't spoken in. Uh, maybe Connecticut. But the whole point is word of mouth, little by little, doors opened. I didn't plan hardly any of it, but it got so busy that I eventually quit my job and started collect donations. And then I would get a stipend when I would go travel and speak. And I still do that today. I still travel and speak. And, uh, I'm, and you know, it's just, it's been 30, going on 33, almost 34 years now. Wow. Wow. Praise God. And you've been able to uh, raise a family. How many children do you have? A few children yourself? Five. Five, five. children. Praise God. Yeah, I raised five kids. They're all out of the house. I now have um, multiple grandchildren. So, okay. Uh, yeah, three of my children have gotten married and I have grandkids now. So, yeah, and we're still still going. I mean, we have BR Coalition. You know, um, you know, people can check that out, brcoalition.com. We have that, but we also, I still travel and speak, do parish missions, conferences at times. So, yeah, still doing it. Okay, okay, fantastic. Well, I, I do remember our, with Perusia, um, our very early, our first partner, and that's what, sort of the birth of Perusia was, St. Joseph Communications was our first uh, a partner, if you like, and we remember the DVD uh, from Radix, uh, mm. and that was your play, The Passion Play. Oh, yeah. uh, oh my goodness! So, so yeah, eight, again, eighteen years ago. So, and uh, yeah, is this I remember. I don't Back know what's VHS happened to that. If that's around, still yeah. out there, <laughs> but it, it, can people still see that uh, performance or what you did so many years ago? Is that online anywhere? It is. Yeah, it's actually a person can just go to YouTube and yeah, uh, okay. yeah, and we didn't do this, but someone uploaded the entire presentation on there and. So, you know, we, we, we used to sell it. Uh, we had DVDs and videos, videos yeah. faded out, of course. So we had DVDs yeah. and, and now it's hard to sell that anymore because you can just get everything online. So yeah. there are people who, yeah, someone uploaded it. So we let it stay out there. So yeah, they can, if they just have to look up the passion with Doug Barry or the passion with Radix, R-A-D-I-X, they can find there's a, there's two or three different versions that people have posted out there of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Now tell us. Uh, I, I do remember. I mean, life on the rock. How what was the time like at EWTN? And uh, I mean, they're mm. another major partner of ours, and um, it was wonderful to see you then uh, nine years ago now. But mm. what was the time like there? And any any sort of 
highlights for you um, during that time? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it was great. I mean, EDB10 is a great setup. I mean, like anybody else, they got their, their, their struggles, their challenges, but they are um, doing amazing work. And um, I had a just wonderful time there. We still have some programs. I think they still air called Battle Ready. It's a TV show that eventually after Life on the Rock, after eight years, they came to me and said, how would you like to do your own show? I said, sure. Uh, it's a great blessing, you know, Battle Ready. And so my son and I produced it. We did 25 episodes, I think. Um, we okay. haven't done any for a while, but they were running them still. I don't know if they're still running them, but they have those now. Um, they ran the Passion Meditation for many years, uh, 15 or so plus years. And I would say one of the great, I mean, in general, just being there regularly was just a great connection. And Father Mark Mary became a very good friend of mine. We co-hosted on Life on the Rock with me. Yes. Um, he was pretty much in charge. I was his right hand there. Um, but one of the greatest experiences was before I even did anything at EDB10, I had been on a couple of shows uh, for other people, Johnette Bankovic and um, Dana or Donna, her name, Irish singer. Um, she's no longer doing work with them, but um, uh, I'd done those shows. And then one day I was at a conference in California and I was going to do the passion meditation, a good size conference, probably three or 4,000 people. Mother yeah. Angelica was one of the speakers at the conference. So before the conference, I got a chance to meet her. And it was my first time meeting her. Um, well, I, I had a picture with her back in 1993 or 94. She didn't remember. So I meet her at the conference and I asked her if she'd watch The Passion. And she did. She sat in the front row. After The Passion was over, I, I, I jumped off the stage and I ran over to say goodbye to her. She was going out the back room. And we always end The Passion with some sort of prayer, meditation, veneration of a crucifix, you know, music. Oftentimes confessions would be heard afterwards, mm. get priests ready to go. So she's leaving and I run over and I said, mother, I just wanted to thank you for being here. And she turned to me and she said, that needs to be on TV, honey. You're going to get a call. And I got a call a few days later and they invited me and my friend to, to go down there and we recorded it there at the network. And, wow. um, uh, and then they, they've been, they had aired it every Holy week for, oh, I don't like I said, 15, 18 years. Uh, just recently, I think they've stopped doing it. But while I was there, I had a private meeting with her for about a half hour. And when I was talking with her, we were talking about the world events and everything going on. And she said one thing that really stood out. She said, Doug, everything is so far gone now in the world. And this was about 20 or so years ago, give or take, yeah. maybe. She said, the only thing that's going to turn things around now in this world is divine intervention. So you get ready because it's coming and fight hard from wherever you are. So wow. she could see, as a lot of people could, that there are so many things that are disordered right now and out of place. This was 20 years ago or so. So she said, divine intervention. And divine intervention, we're talking about something as the Marian apparitions prophesy. On the scale of a World War III, I mean, that's been prophesied by the Blessed Mother. Or as she said in Akita, Japan in 1973, fire would fall from the sky and a great portion of the world would be annihilated. So this is what we're talking about, divine intervention, stuff we can't even understand how bad it could be. But necessary for salvation, and that's the tough thing to wrestle with. But 
So yeah, EWTN, great time down there. Mother Angelica meeting her and having the private meeting with her was probably you know one of the biggest highlights. Yeah, yeah and then of no, course, and of course, when you came, that was a great part yeah, of, of it course. too. <laughs> well said. <laughs> I was there with Kevin Bailey. Yeah, <laughs> well, it was great. Um, well, Mother Angelica, we ask for we ask we pray and ask for intercession now, right? Uh, we we she's now. I mean, we never know. Someone's uh, but. You know, is she? Is there any uh, talk about where what's happening these days? It's been eight years yeah, I, now I, since she passed. I mean, they're they're always trying to push for someone like that, a case like hers. And you know, um, someone told me once that one of the reasons that um, it was a priest, he said, you have to understand that one of the reasons um, we don't find very many lay people that are saints, and you find it from religious orders, is because the religious orders have money enough to have the case for sainthood investigated because you have a lot of time and, and energy and money that goes into investigating whether or not a person lived that degree of a virtuous life. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, no one's ever going to, they're never going to canonize me unless I die a martyr because there's just not enough money in my family to have my, my life investigated. And they would probably look at it and say, it's not even worth investigating. Okay. Let's not even start this investigation. But someone like mother Angelica, there's enough resources, I think, there from people who loved her and supported her that I would not be surprised if her case is being investigated or, or if they're trying to move that direction. But I have not heard anything official on that. No. Okay. Okay. Wow. Now, look, tell us about now. So BR Coalition, um, there's a website. Yeah. What is BR Coalition? And could you unpack that for us? When yeah, BR Coalition, this is something that we started. BR stands for Be Ready. Uh, mm -hmm. formerly battle ready. And again, we, we changed it for two reasons. One, you know, you got to be clever in the world we're in right now. And there are forces out there that are very anti-God and they'll look for Christian organizations and they'll try to take them down. And so we want to be clever. And in general, we want people to be ready, be ready yeah. for the battle and be ready. Coalition is an, is a term that really hopefully relate can relate to anybody. And the idea behind it in general is there are three main areas physically, mentally and spiritually. And what I mean by physically is when you have catastrophes, natural disasters, we have a responsibility to be naturally ready to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, shelter the homeless, give drink to the thirsty, the corporate works of mercy. So we have a responsibility to do that anyway, but being ready for even more serious situations, whether it's, you know, uh, food chain disruption like we've had due to, you know, the medical emergency that devastated the world for three years. You know, some of it legitimate, some of it not legitimate, mm -hmm. but we saw a lot of manipulation, a lot of problems and a lot of supply chain issues. So being ready to have things like food and water, also shelter. Okay. You get a tornado, an earthquake in fear where I am in the, in the, in the States here in, in Texas, just to the, to the north and east of us in the last couple of weeks, I think some 40 people have died due to tornadoes, okay? So when a storm hits, a flood, a tornado, whatever it might be, an earthquake, look what happened in Turkey, Syria, 40-some mm. thousand, I think, plus died. Um, we have a responsibility to provide shelter. We also have a responsibility to provide medical care for people, okay? This is all in the physical part of things. You know, people are hurt. You want to have medical care for them. You want to make sure they have access to good doctors, good medicine, and so forth. But then also defense, protection. Just honestly think about it. You have a family, 
You know, if you have a yeah. wife and children, you want to care for your wife and kids. And if someone breaks mm -hmm. into your home or in a parking lot, tries to assault you, you want to be able to defend and protect. That doesn't mean just using firearms. I know that's a touch your thing down there than it is up here, but they're trying to take them away up here. And then they, so then if a bad guy's got a firearm and he's coming at me and all I have is my hands to fight off a guy with a gun. Okay. That creates a problem. I have to know what I'm doing. So learning how to defend and protect. And if I always say, if I'm walking through a parking lot and, and someone's screaming for help, maybe a woman's being mugged, robbed, sexually assaulted, and they're screaming for help. Do I have a responsibility to go over and try to protect her, try to help her? Or do I just go over and say, I'm going to pray for you, ma'am, and hope that God takes care of you? Maybe the police will show up in time, which is really unrealistic, because by the time the police even get the call and start heading that way, the bad guy or girl has done what they're going to do normally. So the idea of Be Ready Coalition physically is how do we help people naturally be prepared with food, water, medical care, shelter, and even defense, those five categories. We talk about body, mind, and soul. That's body. The mind. How do we prepare the mind? A lot of people are mentally and emotionally soft. They don't have a toughness about them. They can't handle hard work, some of them. I mean, face it, even now, trying to get people back in the workforce here in the United States, I don't know what it's like down there for you, but after mm -hmm. this medical emergency, oh boy, I tell you, people just don't want to work anymore because the government is giving them handouts. And if someone gives you everything you think you need, that's not going to make you want to go work for what you need. So people are mentally getting soft. We're soft in many ways when it comes to knowing our faith. We're soft emotionally. People get easily offended with a word. You say yeah. the wrong word and people are all bent out of shape because how dare you offend me by saying something that I don't like how you said it or what word you used. So we need strength mentally, emotionally as well. And then the third is spiritual. Be Ready Coalition helps people be spiritually stronger and trained up to be able to handle tough things. You know, we, we do video online training and we're going to be, uh, we, we encourage people to go to our website, brcoalition.com. And we have, uh, we have an emergency preparedness course that they can buy one time. We have a new version, updated version coming out April 25th. Uh, BREP is what we call it, Battle Ready Emergency Preparedness Course or Be Ready Emergency Preparedness Course. The BREP course helps you understand the five things, food, water, shelter, medical, and defense. And we want people really to take the steps to be better prepared. That course they can buy helps them do that. It's all online. And then we have a monthly online training coaching type of course that addresses body, mind, and soul. How do we train up and get stronger? Uh, the video that's coming out in April is about training for how do you handle a fall when you fall into sin? A lot of people get really, really, they really struggle with sin. Some it's obstinate and they don't care. And then some become so scrupulous, they, they just don't think God can forgive them and beat themselves up over it. Going to confession sometimes becomes a clock in, clock out, check the box sort of thing rather mm -hmm. than a deep spiritual experience with God uh, that has a deep dialogue to it. So we try to coach and train that as well. So that's, that's kind of a, a synopsis of what the two main things that we do, the emergency course and then the online training. Yeah, wow, fantastic. It's, it's, I haven't heard anything else like this uh, out there, especially in the Catholic space. So let's there talk about um, 
how do you do this? So, so you got to, what's the course look like? Is it, um, is it just a series of videos online? Uh, is there a, a workbook? What, what is the, what, what can someone ex, uh, expect in this course? Right. If they buy, yeah, if they, if buy the emergency course prep, you're going to get, uh, you, you'll get an account set up on our platform. Mm-hmm. It's called Teachable. On that platform, once you have the account, you can go in. There are over four hours of video and more constantly being added. Okay. There are 10 or 11 workbooks now. All of them are downloadable and printable. So you can print them off. You can, some people make them into little binders. You put them in binders and make little booklets out of them. And some people just do it all online. It's optional. You can do either one. You can go to whichever video at whatever time you want. You can go whatever workbook you want. So you can work at your pace. Now we have a recommendation of a, of a way to pr- proceed through all of those pieces, but it, people can pick it at their own pace. Some people say, I did the entire course. We used it as homeschooling for our kids. We're mm. all ready to go. And then some say, yeah, I've done about 10% of it and I'm taking my time. And either is, is really fine. Okay. So there's no classroom type of thing. There's no accountability where you have to be at a certain place in the course by a certain time. It's all at your own leisure. Now, mm. what we do offer in addition to that is two times a month, I do a, a live event, a live webinar type event. And anybody who has the course or who chooses to enroll in the online coaching training monthly program that we have, they can come to this live event and they're in the chat box and they're talking to each other and they're asking questions and I'm answering the email questions. I answer the emails uh, online, the questions, and we address everything you can imagine. They've, they've asked questions about three days of darkness and the illumination of conscience. And yeah. they've asked about how do I store more water and everything in between. So uh, it's very, very interactive, but it allows people, once you buy the course, you have lifetime access to these live events twice a month to ask questions or just listen, gain information from other people, And then in the Teachable platform, we have, it's like Facebook, but it's better because it's not censored at all. Mm -hmm. And it's called Circle Community. So people get to interact with each other all over the world. We've got some members from Australia. We've got members from Scotland, Ireland. All right. We've got members from UK, um, Austria, Canada, all over the US. And they talk to each other and they, they communicate with each other on the Circle Community. And so, yeah, it's a lot of interaction. You can work at your own pace and you can print the stuff off or do it all online. And everything that we add to the course, you will continue to get with no extra charge. So people who bought it when we first came out with it two years ago are going to get all the upgrades that we're putting into it now with no, no extra cost. So we're and we're, we're constantly recording more videos on different types of training. So we show you simple stuff, even like how to change a flat tire on your car. Because a lot of people don't even know how to do that. Yeah. And then we also show you how to store water if you have a crisis and you need an extra week of water or how to filter water. We talk about little things like little emergency lanterns, you know, power stations, a little power charging bank like this to the larger ones that you can use solar on and run, you know, uh, your refrigerator and your freezer on. So we really want people to be prepared. And then we talk about deepening your prayer life, um, 
you know, things like sacramentals, holy water, blessed salt. We talk about those things as well. So it's a real good mix. And you're right, Shabelle, there's, there's really nothing in the Catholic community that's doing anything like this. And we really need it because we, we're, we're very unwise to not pay attention to the natural part of who we are. If we're just going to mm. pray for each other, but not feed and, and strengthen and protect and defend and heal when you're sick, if we don't do those things, then we fall very, very short of what our role is as a Christian. Amen. I mean, it is very uh, much in tune with our corporal and spiritual works of mercy. We've Absolutely. got to be ready for that. Yeah. Uh, no, God bless you. That's fantastic. So it's, it's basically that uh, you, you go on that website, brcoalition.com, and you'll be able to, um, to it's, it's one course at the moment, and you'll be adding more over time. Yeah, if you buy the, if you buy the course, um, you get, the, again, the four-plus four hours of video yeah. in the workbooks, and then we're constantly, as we record new pieces, adding to that. When we started it off, it was you know maybe two and a half, three hours. I forget what it was. And we keep adding like a 10-minute segment here on how to secure your house, or yeah. we did a segment on medical um, if something happens medically, uh, maybe you've got a laceration, a serious wound from chopping wood to a bullet and someone shoots you or a dog attacks you, whatever it might be, and you can't get to an emergency room for some reason, whether whatever it might be, uh, natural disaster, whatever. How can you address those things there at home? You're not a doctor. You're not a nurse. You need to do something. So we talk about putting on a tourniquet, how to put on the right kind of bandage. And we have a nurse, a trained nurse who does all of those pieces for us. So um, we have the right people who do the right thing. So if you go out there right now and buy it, you would have all of that and then any other pieces that we add. Um, and we're shooting right. more as we speak. In fact, we've been in the process of adding to this. Um, and we have the, the latest version. We're calling it BREP 2.0 coming out on the 25th of April. Yeah. Um, I should add this as well, Sherbell, that... Um, the, the online monthly training course, we only open the doors to take new members twice a year. And I think the next time we're opening is in May. And we really want the membership to grow because the times in our world are really showing us that, that we really should be thinking about being stronger as Christians to handle the persecution, being stronger mentally and emotionally to handle the challenges, but also on a natural level, like you mentioned, the corporal works of mercy our salvation depends on that. When you look at Matthew chapter 25, the son of man comes in the glory of all the angels, sits on his throne. All the nations are assembled. We're all going to be there together. Mm -hmm. And he separates the sheep from the goats. In this short version, goats are going to hell. Sheep are going to heaven. And specifically because we saw Jesus in others or we didn't. And we fed, clothed, cared for sheltered that's in the gospel and so the idea that we don't need to think about those things is really tragic i would look at it this way too you have a wife and children correct absolutely eight children and i have i have a wife five kids they've moved out but i have i have multiple grandchildren now if if your wife and kids ever for some reason ended up in my care and you couldn't be there for whatever reason you would want to know and you would feel much better knowing that I was a man that, number one, was a spiritual, godly man trying to love God and be faithful to God. But number two, would physically care for them if they needed food, water, and protection. What kind of a friend would I be or a fellow Catholic, fellow Christian of any denomination, 
If I said to you, I'm going to pray for your family, but if someone tries to harm them, I don't know what to do. If they're hungry, I don't know how to feed them. I don't have any food to give them. Well, that doesn't make you feel really well, and it doesn't do a lot of good. But if you know that I'm the type of man that will pray for them, I'll get them spiritual aid. I'll get them a priest. I'll make sure they get the sacraments. I'll fight for them. I'll protect them. I'll feed them. If there's a medical problem, we have ways to take care of that. You feel much better knowing that a fellow brother Catholic Christian is going to help with that. And I would be the same with you. And I think if we as, as Catholics in general, Christians of all denominations can look at it that way and realize that it's not just about ourselves. It's about, I want to be prepared to help anybody that God may entrust to my care, even if it's your family. And so yeah, brcoalition.com is a website that addresses those things. We also have a free opt-in. If someone wants to go out there and just get a, we call it a download. You can get a free download. It's a preparedness guide that gives you basic starting points and you can just go in. We're going to ask for your email and then we'll put you on a list so we won't hassle you, but you'll get this free download and it's a good introduction that's free and gets people started. And then if they want to really take it to another level, then they can buy the course or join the online membership. So good. So good. Um, just uh, in this, these last uh, moments we've got together, I wanted just to, uh, as you're talking and I'm thinking, you know, what, why are we talking about this side of things? It's because we need it today. Uh, in 2023, here we are, where technology, things, everything's happening for us, you know, supermarkets and uh, yeah. the internet. Um, uh, we rely so much on things, robots now, um, electronics to the point where phones, smartphones, these things, uh, I don't know, they can be a blessing and a curse as well. But uh, yeah. The idea of us relying on things has made us, I guess, so dependent on other people that, yeah, we, we don't even know how to do the basics anymore. And why is that important with faith-wise? So I guess we're so far removed from, I guess, that natural way God has created things, you know, mm -hmm. from basic food and, and, and hygiene and, um, yeah, water and, 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 and looking after ourselves, putting shelter how did we get here? Uh, um, the technology was supposed to make things better, but we're realizing there is a side effect, or there is sort of a um, an outcome as well. Life has become easier on one part, but it's become a lot harder in many other areas right. uh, and it becomes harder and harder to live the faith. So it's great that you're teaching people to get back to basics here. How do we get so far down the road? How do we get here? <laughs> where did, yeah, I where think... Yeah, the one word that really jumps out at me with everything you just said is the word discipline. Mm. And discipline is an act of the will. Mm. And for a person to be disciplined or undisciplined is going to determine whether or not our technology dominates us or we dominate it. I want yeah. to control the technology. I don't want it to control me. Yes. If my technology, my surroundings, and my comforts, and look, I love the comforts too. The great things that God has given man uh, whether it's medical technology um, that, that helps us to, um, to the speed of how we can communicate, like right now, what we're doing here. You're in Australia, right. I'm in Texas, and we're doing a podcast. That's amazing. Right? I love what EWTN was able to do when they started putting satellites or bouncing the signals off of satellites back in the 1981. It was using technology to get the gospel out. So technology, advancements, comforts, they can all be fine. Air conditioning is great. I love to chuck that thermostat when it's 115 degrees in Texas yeah. and know that I'm going to be able to sleep without, you know, laying in a puddle of sweat all night. Yeah. 
That's a great thing. But if my discipline is not in place, if my free will decides to let that comfort and that convenience take me over, then I let things like the technology consume me. Mm. Now I'm a slave to it rather than it being a tool for me to use appropriately. People do this with food. We have the all-you-can-eat food buffets. We have easy access food anywhere, everywhere. And now we have health problems because we're eating bad food or we're eating too much. So you got a lot of obesity. you got a lot of health issues, even among teenagers. This is more of a problem now than it's ever been because our food has become so accessible. Even though there's a lot of starvation in the world, a lot of developed countries can have food coming out their ears. But if they don't discipline what they put in their mouth and how much of the food they're eating, Mm -hmm. and they don't exercise or get active, then they're going to find themselves in a problem. So I think the number one thing is we've become very soft with um, the access to all this technology and convenience, which has a good place in many respects. We've become soft. We've let it take us over because our free will has not embraced discipline, spiritual discipline and natural discipline. So we are the ones, and God gives us that, the freedom to make the choices, whether we're going to, we're going to be mastering our passions, mastering our technology, or it's going to master us. Now I'll bring you real quick on this point. If you don't mind, AI, artificial intelligence. Yeah. They're already, I mean, Elon Musk and uh, a thousand, I think it's close to a thousand other innovators and, 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 and AI experts are calling for a six month moratorium on any development of AI. One individual, Yurdowski, I think is his last name. I'm going to get that wrong. Says, and he's been in this for 20 plus years. He says it should be an indefinite moratorium because AI is so powerful and what it can be used for, especially in the hands of the wrong people with no proper boundaries and people really not having the discipline to use it the right way is another part of the problem, can become so destructive that it could destroy our civilization. And you're seeing reports come out. I saw another one come out on the news today. The concern that it becomes like a Terminator movie where the AI starts to fall into the Darwinism idea that only the strong survive and humans are not going to be as smart or as quick as AI. So what could AI and certain people with AI do to hurt those who can't keep up with it? So that even speaks to the idea of discipline and free will using technology the right way. But when we drift from God, Mm -hmm. we lose discipline. We lose a perspective that's correct and holy and everything can be abused, whether it's a television to AI, everything can be abused. If we drift from God and discipline is not in place and, and we're finding our, we're seeing it all around us now. Yeah. As on one hand, as, as exciting, you know, people might be excited. They might be about AI. It's also very scary. Again, in the wrong hands, this could this could be destructive. Um, so we've got can to you imagine? I mean, Sherbell, can you imagine AI in the hands of Stalin or Hitler? Oh, I mean, right. they, they would have used it to. I mean, Stalin starved between thirty and sixty million of his own people. Estimated. In fact, they don't know for sure. They say because some of the statisticians that came to him and told him how many were dying. Once they told him the number, he had the statisticians killed in, in some cases because he didn't want the information to get out. A man that, that's ter- that is that tyrannical 
and then Hitler, of course, with what he did with the Jews and anybody else, many Christians, mm-hmm. Catholics, priests, nuns, anybody who disagreed with him. People are not thinking right, Charbel, if they don't think that people like that are alive today. Yeah. The, look, yeah. that evil presence can go through the heart of any one of us if we let it. There are men and women in this world that would have no problem with the degree of persecutions that we saw in, during the regime of the Nazis or Stalin or any of those type of leaders. If they had the ability to do it, there are people that would do it. I, I just believe that because those evil spirits that that infiltrated the hearts of people like Stalin and Hitler, those evil spirits are still around. They're spirits. They're never going to go away. But we have to be wiser and we have to be holier. We have to, we've got to turn to God. And therein lies the big part of the problem is that many people just don't want to do that. This is what's happening today, isn't it? Uh, we've, we've turned our back on God and, and, and we, you know, we can blame ourselves now for being in this mess because if God's not in charge, if we don't let him be in charge, then we're, we're left to our own demises and here's what's yeah. happened. Uh, can, let, can we now, uh, just in these final minutes, talk about, I guess, spiritually um, being prepared? What are the, some of the tips you could give us today just on a spiritual front? Uh, how can we fight this spiritual battle? Uh, what sort of things, what are some takeaways just for today's um, uh, discussion here of, of people? What can they do practically um, right now? those uh, spiritual weapons. You know, one of the first things that comes to my mind is just the Blessed Mother. She's here over my shoulder. And she gave us a a tremendous weapon, the rosary, in the the form that we have it now when she went through St. Dominic. I mean, it has reference back to the 150 Psalms and so forth. But when she came to St. Dominic and, you know, and she said, do you do you want to know what is going to be like a battering ram? She uses the, the term battering ram. She says, it's my angelic psalter. She's talking about the rosary. So, so the rosary, pray that rosary. I say to people, don't let a day go by. You know, in fact, on my on my uh, YouTube channel, Doug Barry YouTube channel, um, I, I I recorded uh, four all four rosaries, all four sets of mysteries. Just it's they're about nineteen minutes long. We put some beautiful music behind it. And I'm, I'm not on there; it's just my voice. And then my son did some great editing on it uh, with some beautiful scenery and nature and such, and some beautiful religious images. And right. just find a way to pray the rosary, though. Just pray that rosary every day. Do it in the car as you're driving. Do it at home. Do it at church. But pray that rosary every single day. Also, get some fasting in there. I try to do some fasting usually five or six days a week, even if it's a little something. Skip a meal. Eat one meal today. Eat your meal 30 minutes later than you were going to. Eat half of what you were going to eat in other mm. words, physically engage in the spiritual battle by disciplining your body, especially in the area of food. That normally can overflow into a discipline in many other areas of your life because food is such an innate and basic thing that we all need and want. And if we can control that, then oftentimes we can control many other areas of our life. So prayer, fasting, get to the sacraments. Mass, obviously, faithfully, as the church calls us to, but also uh, sacrament of confession, reconciliation. Get there regularly, frequently, not just once every six months. Try to go once a month or every couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Also, I would say this on a natural, oh, and you sacramentals, like I've got holy water and blessed salt here on my desk. You know, I've got the scapular on, I've got, you know, the rosary in my pocket. You know, make sure that sacramentals are part of your life. But then on a natural level, your atmosphere, and we talk about this in our BR Coalition monthly training, mm-hmm. there are f- certain variables that we have 
large control over. And I can control what I'm watching, what I'm listening to, certain people I hang out with, certain conversations. And I can decide whether or not I'm going to engage in those things that are helpful to my soul or hurtful. We have to make those choices with discipline to create an environment that is conducive to growth spiritually and strength spiritually. And, and so on a natural and spiritual level, make those decisions, prayer, sacraments, sacramentals, fasting, your environment, um, talk positively to yourself. And I'm not talking about just how I believe in myself, not that, but don't bust on yourself. God doesn't put you down. Don't put yourself down mm. when you sin and make mistakes. Hey, I'm a child of God. I made a mistake. I got to get up and I got to do what Jesus says. I need to persevere. I need to move yes. the right direction. It's the enemy that tries to get into our head to say, you're worthless. You can't do this. You're too weak. You'll never overcome this. That's not from God. Don't let the enemy have his way in those areas. And then the last thing I would say is make sure you're surrounding yourself with good people that are going to lift you up and build you up. Podcasts like what you're doing and what we're trying to do with, with uh, BR Coalition or the U.S. Grace Force podcast that I do with Father Richard Heilman, you know, you've got to surround yourselves with good materials and good people that are going to be on, on your side on that battlefield. Um, we're in this for the long haul, and we've got to understand that this battle is real and God's mercy is unbelievable and beyond our comprehension, but we have a part to play in this because he gives us free will. And I also just tell people, do not be discouraged, no matter how rough things get, how dark things get in this world or in your own personal life, do not be discouraged because God, God's, I don't want to say God's got this. I don't like that term because he gives us free will to choose whether or not we're going to participate and cooperate the right way. But God's strength is available for everybody who calls on it. And our yeah. blessed mother is so faithful in being there for us. Very well said. I love those tips. Um, I hope people go back and listen to this over and over, write them down because mm -hmm. I think we need to be doing that and making that part of our life. Discipline's a great start. We, we were so undisciplined today. Uh, and then those mm -hmm. spiritual um, weapons, praise God. Well, God bless you. Um, I want to thank you, uh, Doug, for, for joining us today. Um, it's been great to, to, to connect again and I hope we can do this again down the track and maybe, you know, yeah. we can we can start talking about specific topics and things like that. That would be phenomenal. Sure. Um, but we're praying for you, BR Coalition. Again, that website, is, just, is it just one word, brcoalition.com? brcoalition.com, brcoalition.com. Yep, people right. check it out. Get your free opt-in. By just getting that free download, you opt-in, get the free download. And uh, I just, I, I really, I, I want to encourage people, even if you don't buy our course and you don't sign up to be our, our online membership, I hope you do. I hope you try it. Um, you know, we offer money back guarantees on this stuff. We really want people to do it if they feel it's a good fit. But even if you don't, please, everybody who's listening or watching, do something to yes. be better prepared spiritually, naturally. Make sure you're taking those steps because it's not just about you. There are people who are counting on you, just like your wife and kids and my family. Mm. They're counting on us to be the type of people that take these things seriously. So I encourage everybody do do something. Take the right steps to be better prepared in these ways. Great, great work. Um, and you are saying as a final thought here, there is hope, right? As bad as, as far fetched oh, yeah. the, the world looks like it's at its darkest time, we think it couldn't get any worse. 
but you're saying if we do these things, there is hope, right? You can give us today yeah. this hope. You, I mean, Sherbell, you think about someone like a, it, it could be an extreme case like St. Lawrence, who's being, yeah. he's being roasted over a fire in the early centuries of the church. And yes. he, his sense of humor, you know, you can turn me over. I'm done on this side. He said to the guard, it was being cooked over like a, like a barbecue pit. And he told the guard, you can turn me over. I'm done on this side. The hope is that the Holy Spirit, when we let him in, will do amazing things. Now, even in the middle of war, God does amazing things to make clear that he is God. And so whether we're going through grave suffering, like Maximilian Kolbe in the concentration camps in Germany, or St. Lawrence in the, in the early centuries of the church, or whether it's just day-to-day -day struggle and persecution because your family has left the faith. And I know people watching, listening right now might know, you've got family members, whether it's a spouse or kids, they're abandoned the faith, they're struggling with transgender, LGBTQ, they're struggling with things like this. Do not lose hope. It will be hard at times. That's where we cling to the cross, keep our eyes mm -hmm. on Jesus, and make sure that we cling to the Blessed Mother. And the promises of the rosary, 15 key promises of the rosary, they're amazing. People got to look them up and read them and trust, trust, trust. Yes, there is hope. Even in difficult times, there's hope. And this is what really proves the beauty of Christianity is that in the darkest times, Christians are built to trust in God's greatness and God's resurrection uh, from the grave and what he has done. I mean, we I, this is one little known thing I think we forget. When Jesus rose from the grave, what happened? Oh, no, I'm sorry. When he died, forgive me. On Good Friday, when he died, tombs opened up and and the saints came out of the ground. That's right. Yes. We forget that in scripture. Yeah. That's, that's a fantastic piece of that passage is that the dead came out of the ground and started to preach. Unbelievable things that God can do. So yes, there is definitely hope. Even when it's really tough, there's, there's hope. Yeah. Very well said. Thank you very much. Well, thanks for joining us today. Um, I'm praying for awesome you. Awesome to be with you. It really is. Thank you, so God bless you. And I want to I want to thank everyone for watching today. I hope you've uh, gotten a lot out of that episode. That's another Perusia podcast. Uh, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our website, perusiamedia.com, has all of the podcasts and also an all popular audio podcast platforms. You can go and download and share this. Subscribe to any one of your favorite platforms. You'll get all this and more. So thanks again. Please pray for our work. And I hope you get the message today. We've got to be ready. Let's be ready. God bless you. <laughs>